We'll start off Lent with a pop quiz. I know you love pop quizzes. So, how many of each kind of animal did Moses take with him on the ark? Two, right? Oh, some of you are smart. Some of you got this one. No, Moses didn't take any animals with him on the, on the ark. That was Noah. Okay, but the answer is still not two. A close reading of Genesis will show us that actually of the clean animals, he was commanded to take seven pair. And only of the unclean animals was he meant to, to, told to take a pair. So that's one of the things we, we kind of miss in our, our storybook version of, of Noah's Ark. Okay, second question. How many days was Noah and his family on the ark? 40, right? It wasn't 40. It rained for 40 days and 40 nights, but they were on the boat for over a year, just a little over a year. So before we go any further, some of us already are like, yeah, the Noah, that Noah story, science has disproved that. Well, I think that's, that's fine. Maybe science has, maybe it hasn't. The point for us as Christians is you aren't a bad Christian if you don't think that it happened the way that the story says that it happened. That's, that's actually not the point. Uh, this, the church has never said, and scripture doesn't contradict, uh, more of a, a figurative reading of Noah. In fact, a really good possibility is that the, the genre that we're in is they're, they're, they're doing something with, yeah, there was a, it was kind of like a based on a true story, you know, like, yeah, there was something that happened. There was some sort of flood, but we're going to blow it to epic proportions to make a point. So, yeah, it wasn't just that the world had like a lot of bad people. There was no good people left. Everybody had gone astray. And it wasn't just that there was like, you know, a kind of a, a regional flood. It was a global flood. And it wasn't just that they built kind of a, a big boat. It was an enormous boat. And it wasn't just that, you know, a, you know, a few pockets of people here and there were saved. One family was saved. That was it. Everything else was wiped out. Right, but we're, we're showing this hyperbolic story that we moderns want to say, well, that's impossible, but that's not how the ancients would have understood it. That's not how they would have read it. And that's not what they would have cared about. In fact, Peter shows us how they would have read it. As Christians, early Christians, he says, look, it foreshadowed baptism. When we and the wickedness that was in us was wiped clean by water, it was destroyed. And this is more how we want to engage with this story as well. Let's see what the Holy Spirit had in mind when he had this written into the sacred book. So very early on in the church, Tertullian in the second century, he starts to describe the church as the bark of Peter, the ship of Peter. It's, it's a boat. It's like Noah's Ark. It's on the waters of the, the chaos of the world. It's not in the world, not of the world, but it's still in the world. It floats and gets knocked around by the, by the chaos of the world. And just like being on Noah's Ark, well, it's, it's great, you're on, you're on the boat, that's, that's good, but this is a storm. It's raining, it's pouring, it's windy. There's a ton of wild animals on it. There's a lot of poop probably. 
You know, it's like this isn't a pleasant, this isn't a joy ride. This isn't a, a carnival cruise line. We're not having fun here. We're not going up to the upper deck in the, in the afternoons and, and playing golf. This is, this is survival. And so you're, you're not like, yay, this boat is so fun, but you're like, yay, at least I'm not off the boat. At least I'm not drowning in the water because that's the alternative. So you're glad to be on the boat. And this too is a very good fitting, fitting image of the church because we can look back at church history and say there's a lot of times when that boat did not look very good. There's times when it was leaking. There's times when water is getting in from the top. It's being blown around all over the place. The captain of the ship, the Pope, is like, you know, leading us totally astray. This does not look good. But at least you're on the boat. It's still the universal sacrament of salvation. It's still the way that gets us to the place we want to go. And where, does, where does Noah's ark lead us? Well, it actually goes somewhere. I don't know that Noah knew where they were going. They're just kind of sailing around. But remember where this, it ends? They end on a mountaintop. And this is symbolic for us, again, that this journey of life, yes, we're safe in this rocky boat, but it's taking us somewhere and it's taking to the mountain of paradise. That's where we want to go. And then and the rainbow comes out and the, the beauty and you know, the, the feast begins. So we're, we're, actually, we're actually going somewhere, even if sometimes it seems like we're not making much progress, even if sometimes it seems like uh, this is not a very fun boat to be on. This is actually an image that the church from very early on started putting into her very architecture. Yeah, I know the Minnesota Vikings thought they came up with this novel idea by building their new stadium to look like a Viking ship, but we've been doing that for 2,000 years in the Catholic Church. Look at our church. Flip it upside down. You're sitting in a boat. This part of the, this part of the, the church... So this is the sanctuary. You're sitting in the nave. That's a weird name for the part where you're sitting in. Yeah, that's, it comes from the same word, the, the Latin word for navel, navy. You're sitting in the nave. You're sitting in the ship. And we're actually going somewhere. I'm, I'm sitting at the captain's helm. I think this image is, is helped when we celebrate at Orientum. We're all going in the same direction. You're following the captain who's taking us somewhere. I was, I was making this, I was showing the, the school kids this a couple weeks ago in the homily, and one of my students said to me after Mass, Father, you missed a golden opportunity. And I said, what is it? He said, well, if we're in a ship and we're sailing, then the steeple is the rudder, and we're being steered by the cross. I'm sure that I taught him that at some point, and he, <laughs> he just remembered that for me. But it's such, a, it's such a beautiful, I mean, it fills out the image perfectly. Yes, we're being steered by Christ. And not only that, but when we're, when we're here, we're, we're going somewhere. We're, we're orienting ourselves to Christ. Our focus during Mass is the crucifix. As good disciples, we're coming together to say, oh yeah, what I'm supposed to be doing in my life is to pick up my cross and follow him. And so together we come and do that. We follow him. And just like Noah's ark went, it was going somewhere, it was going to the mountaintop. And what did they do when they got to the mountaintop? Immediately before we picked up here, they get out 
and they offer sacrifice. Noah offers sacrifice. That's why they had the seven pairs of all the clean animals. Those are the ones you could offer in sacrifice. And so the Lord knew they would need more of those. And that's what we do here. We go to the mountain. We go to Mount Calvary. And we offer with Christ the perfect sacrifice to the Father. That's what we do here in our ark. And just like Noah's ark, sometimes it's rocky. Sometimes it's stormy. Sometimes it's not a lot of fun. But at least we're on the boat. At least we're not out shredding water and hoping for a lifeboat to come along. Because the world, just like Noah's world, is in turmoil. It's chaos out there. And so we come here to find a little bit of repose. And even though it's repose, even though it's, it's rest, even though it's, it's different than everything else that we can experience out there, it's not perfect peace and serenity either. There were probably nights when Moses or Noah was able to go up on top of the deck after the rain had stopped and look up at the stars. Just imagine the stars. No light pollution, no nothing, just stars. And there were moments of peace. But then the water started getting rocky again and then he had to go back and do the chores and then he had to, remember who he's living with? His wife, his three kids, and his in-laws. So it's not like this was always just a big, happy family. And so when we come here too, yeah, we're, we're safe. There's a little bit of repose. And there's sometimes of just that serenity and the beauty and the stars and the peace and the quiet. And sometimes, yeah, there's a lot of people next to you that you know, are kind of annoying you. And you wish that maybe they weren't here. And maybe the kids are a little bit too, too uh, loud today. But that's, that's life on the ark. And at least we're not out in the chaos of the world. I think this is a, a beautiful and helpful image for us, especially in Lent. As we reorient ourselves in Lent towards Jesus on the cross, we remind ourselves when we come here that when we, when we come to this place, everything should be different. We, sh- we shouldn't expect more of the world when we come to Mass. We shouldn't expect the worldly music or the worldly way of doing things or my worldly preferences. If I come here with that expectation, I will always be disappointed. But my goal is to leave as much of the world behind and be more and more oriented towards Jesus. To allow the music, to allow the ritual, to allow the symbolism to wash over us like waves. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's violent, sometimes it's agitating, sometimes it's annoying, and sometimes it's peaceful. Sometimes it's good. And sometimes I realize I need to be shaken a little bit to be reminded that there's something more. The the world is just waves. 
And it's constantly bombarding us. It's constantly bombarding us with its messages and its noise and it, the way that it, it, uh, it manipulates my emotions and my imagination and my desires. And here I come and I try to sacrifice them to the Lord. I try to leave them with the Lord so I can live one day on the mountain. But I'd like to propose that there's a difference between our ark and Noah's ark. And the primary difference is that Noah and his family were the only ones on and the only ones who got to be on. There's no, there's no latecomers. But here in our ark, we're very much on mission. Yes, we come here every week to reorient ourselves, but then we go back out. And the point isn't to go back out and enjoy the world. The point is to go back out and look for other people who need to escape the chaos of the world. The point is we go out in our rowboats and we look for people who are floundering, who are drowning, who are clinging to something hoping to survive. And we say, hey, there's, there's another way. There's something else. There's a place of peace, of repose, a place where I can, I can set aside all my preferences, desires, emotions, disordered passions, and follow somebody else who leads me where I want to go, to a place of perfect peace. And so during our week, that's our goal. Our goal is to fill the ark. Let's get rid of, we get rid of all the animals and we'll fill them with people. With our brothers and sisters, our coworkers, our neighbors, our classmates. And so in a very real way, I want to send you on mission today and every, every time we come here. I want you to send you back out there. And next week, here's your, here's your homework. Start with a pop quiz, we'll end with some homework. Your homework is to ask somebody this week, maybe multiple somebodies, somebody that you're, you have a conversation with, maybe it's somebody at the grocery store, maybe it's somebody at work, maybe it's somebody at school, and just ask them this question. Can I pray for you? What do you need that I can pray for? Maybe they'll be caught off guard and they won't have anything and they'll just say something, you know, oh, you know for, for good health or whatever. Or maybe they have something, like they've been waiting for somebody to ask them that. What's going on in your life? What do you need? Ask them what they need prayers for. And next week, bring them here. We bring those prayers to the altar and we pray for them. That's why, that's why the petitions move us right into the preparation of the gifts. And actually today we're going to start something a little bit different. During the petitions, I'm going to have the servers bring up the gifts. It's, it's, some, it's a symbolic reminder that what we're doing here, what you're doing there, is connected to this altar. What we do out in the world, we want to bring to this altar and lift up those people, those prayers to the Father. Actually, actually, one of the things I like about the low altar, we'll use it for, we'll use it for Lent, uh, but I can see the, the image of the Father. And so the prayers that I say when I'm speaking to the Lord, I can see him. I think the other thing I like about it is the proximity to the people. 
So the, the point isn't that the priest is way off there doing something that's totally unrelated to what you're doing. I'm not doing something for you. I'm not doing something to you. I'm doing something with you. You're bringing your prayers, your people to the altar. And in my ministry as a priest, I'm offering them to the Father in the person of Jesus. And so let's be more intentional about that. Let's be more cognizant about that. Let's be more purposeful in this mission that we've been given. Because we don't want to just be on the ark all by ourselves with a bunch of stinky animals being tossed around by the the waves now and again, experiencing the peace and repose now and again. But we want to fill the ark. We want to find everybody who's drowning and bring them to the Lord. And sometimes we just bring them in our hearts, sometimes we just bring them in our prayers. And maybe, hopefully, one day we bring them in person and they get to experience it for themselves. So often when people come to our church, visitors, they'll say one of two things. One, wow, that was beautiful. Like nothing I've ever experienced before. Yeah, that's, that's exactly the point. We want this to be a place that's totally different than the world. And then the other thing that they say is, man, there's a lot of kids. And I think that's perfect too. Because we, we come, we're not the perfect ones. We're not the ones who have figured out how to, how to live apart from the world and not be tossed around from the waves. We're, we're, still, we're still subject to, the, to the, waving, the, the waves of the world. And we come in here to find peace and serenity. So as we turn our focus, reorient ourselves to the cross, Let's bring with us all the people we want to lift up in prayer today and every day. Lay them on the altar. Offer them to the Father. Sail to the mountain where we can be at peace with the Father and begin the feast.